0: Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Let's do this fast. Your cousin from Boston. Sam Adams summer ale is brewed with a hint of citrus. Perfect for a hot summer day like this one and a commercial. It's peak tanning hours, dude. I'm out. Sam Adams, Summer Ale. The Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use visit spreaker.com forward slash adhub that's s-p-r-e-a-k-e-r.com
0: forward slash adhub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way
1: Hello and welcome to The Midweek Fix with me, Jamie Home. For our Irish subscribers around the globe, I hope you've had a fantastic St. Patrick's Day and tried to make the most of it. I know it's not easy when we're, we're in lockdown. Um, as always, The Midweek Fix is brought to you by footballprizes.co.uk. Go check out their website. There's lots of cool prizes, including a cash giveaway, which is always worth checking out. Now, tonight's show is going to be based around a topic that is never too far away from the news, and that is the rise of stats within football. So joining myself and Gav, as we are, I think it's fair to say, Gav, probably not stats experts at this stage. Would you say that's fair?
2: I think that's more than fair. <laughs> uh,
1: so hopefully joining us tonight uh, to shed a little bit more light and expertise on um, stats and, and their use within the game is Christy Holly. Christy, I'm going to give you a fantastic introduction now, mate. I'll pay you off. (laughs) (laughs) A World Cup winning analyst with the US Women's National Team and now head coach of Racing Louisville. And Josh Williams, who is a football scouting writer for Reach PLC. I'm sure you've come across some of his work on Twitter, including the fantastic Analyzing Anfield podcast. Christy, Josh, thanks for joining us, lads. How are you both?
0: Cheers, lads. Great to be on here. Thanks for taking the time.
1: What did yeah, you make of that, that intro, me, mate? Do yeah. you like that?
0: Uh, I'll send you a tenner. I think a tenner and a pint of Guinness might get me over the line there.
1: Well, um, true to true to form, I'm already uh, having one, uh, mate. I've got um, to on St. Patrick's Day.
0: I'm very jealous, I'm not
1: going to lie. So have have one for me while you're at it. <laughs> I will do. You're uh, for, for those that obviously don't know you, you're based in America. Uh, obviously, you've got a, an Irish twang to your accent there, Something mate. At, uh... Have you done anything special for, for Paddy's Day?
0: i have not met i've not left uh i'm still in work right now so over here it's uh ten past six i'm in louisville um and i might if i'm lucky get a wee uh stout later on this evening if i can if i can pull it off but it depends what time we get out of here so doesn't uh it doesn't feel like party day yet <laughs> now, grass, that's about it
1: yeah ex- ex- exactly now before we kind of dive into I- into the main topics that we've got for tonight Gav, as as we kind of touched on, I think it's fair to say that we're probably a little old school in our views. Um, so hopefully, between the two of us, we might might be able to learn a little bit with the, from the lads tonight. What do you
2: reckon? If the lads say four to five sentences each on stats, tonight I learn something genuinely. Um, <laughs> no, I am old school. I watch football and I base an opinion on it. Um, and some stats I see anything with an X before I'm a bit wary of. So the letter G, the letter A, um, anything with an X before I'm a bit wary of. I just find I need more context than just graphs. So maybe the lads are probably in, like Christy showing You can see,
1: product. you can see there's some smirks on their faces. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and listen, come oh, in, this way hear that. That, that
2: that's why that, that's why Jamie's brought me on because he knows I'm like absolutely <laughs> ridiculous when it comes to stats. Like, I literally, I literally, the only stat, like you know the way you say, oh, it's the one in the top corner that counts on the TV. I'm not that bad, but I am, I'm, I'm, I'm very limited. Let's say you know. So, but look, I'm, I'm always open to learning and stuff like that, and I'm sure, I'm sure um, the two lads will shed some light on these. Hey, that makes two of Well, well, listen, I'm sitting here with a pen, a piece of paper, and you're waving these things around that you. Stick on the back of your players, and they you know you watch them go off, and it's mad stuff, so um to me that's mental, but um, I'm sure we learn as we go on
1: so so i'm going to come to you first josh right so we'll, we'll we'll dive straight in um There is a lot that's written in the news about just how much of a role stats are now playing within within the game, and I want to kind of start with you, and then we'll kind of go around the room to see what you feel from your perspective are the biggest misconceptions about stats. And why you think there's probably so much resistance, um, you know, from certain fans when you see a new wave of kind of data come in. Um, and as Gav said, you know, I, I think there is a common perception, you know, anything with an X in front of it, people see it come up on the graphics on Sky or Match of the Day now. And some fans maybe haven't took the time to learn about it. What do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions around stats being used within football?
3: I think, uh, I think a lot of the resistance stems from, from how poorly the stats have been applied in the past, really. Um, and how they can be applied by the wrong person to suit an agenda. Um, that's not really how they're supposed to be used. The kind of, the thing with stats, they're a product of the user, really. Um, they can, they're supposed to paint a blank canvas, um, if used correctly. But I think they're also capable of, Almost being used like Photoshop to to edit an already painted canvas based on that person's opinions. Um, so uh, as I said, it's it's open to the user, and I think a lot of mainstream outlets maybe will um, you know tweet certain stats because clearly agenda. There's clearly an intent there to get a reaction. Say for example, you know Van Dyke's tackles compared to you know a bad defender. You know sometimes that bad defender will make more. And it looks like, it looks like he's a better defender to those who, who maybe haven't looked a little bit deeper. So I think it's, I think that the misconceptions stem from how easily they can be, they can be altered to suit an agenda. Whereas, um, someone who can use them, someone who can apply them properly will, um, will hopefully be able to tell an accurate story.
1: We've spoken, Christy. Uh, so, for those that don't know, me, me and Christy used to play on the same team together. We've been friends since university. He's gone on to have a life in football. I absolutely haven't, unfortunately. So, <laughs> <Bye. laughs> uh, my life's not very rosy either. <laughs> 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 but from from your side, mate. I mean, obviously, you now um, in, in your role, you know, you're heavily surrounded by by stats um, and kind of the, the the new wave of information and, and and data teams that you have at your disposal. Would you go along with similar to Josh? What do you think are some of the biggest pitfalls? I suppose with how stats are being used and in, interpreted in today's game. I think. Uh If
0: if you think about how just generally things evolve every time people are, you know, in the employment sector, everybody's looking for a way to justify their position, right? So it's, or or create a position at times. So all of a sudden now through the use of social media, we have so many fantastic um, analysts that that probably don't have so much in-game experience as, as others who have who've made a living in the game. So I think it's it's the context with which the the stats are used. Uh, I was jokingly say it's kind of like it's it's writing a, it's like writing a book with no verbs. Like so, we we've all this stuff, all these items, but there's nothing describing where these items came from. Whether it's a passing percentage, whether it's tackles one, whether it's shots on target. So we putting things in context and and. And giving out the whole story is is really an important piece, and I think Josh touched on it. You see, you know, I've ever removed myself off social media at this point because it's so toxic. But you can see um, these these cracking arguments going back and forth, and some lads got an agenda, and someone else has got an agenda, and they're poll- why, why
1: do I feel like I'm usually part of those? Uh, and I probably <laughs> <laughs> they go fishing, and they so then if if you want to,
0: if you want to tell a story with your stats, you can tell. You get a hundred percent talent doesn't mean you're wrong, but you can it just allows people to drive agendas that maybe don't are not relative to what the circumstances are so I think it's stats can be so powerful and so useful, but I think the context in which they're used and what they're related to uh, becomes the most important piece
1: Gav Chris, Christy touches on something interesting there and I, I think this is in part the problem people and it, it kind of lends to what josh was saying as well people can take a stat, apply it in any which way they wish if it paints a nice picture for the player that they like. And what that does for the person that they're arguing with, who maybe has a different view, is it gets their back up. And it just creates this swell of negativity around the use of stats. And like Josh said, probably being used incorrectly uh, to try and fit a narrative. Do you think that's one of the big problems we face now?
2: Yeah, I, I think, I think having like you know, Christy mentioned social media, then he's more or less removed himself from, it, and that's not a bad move. Um, <laughs> but, but and the reason I'm saying that is because this is where you see most of the arguments about it. You know, on on social media, you know, if you watch Monday Night Football, I'm not a fan of Carragher and Neville; they just don't do it for me. But when they're talking and when they're discussing stuff, they will show you context. You know, you you'll see a screen, you'll see, you know, uh, player A made A you know, really good forward passes in this game and here they are. You know, and you can rate them as how good they are. Was he under pressure? Did he you know that forward pass, how far was it? Stuff like that. But when you're when you're on social media and stuff like that and you're having you're literally having a text argument about stats (laughs) and there's no context. There's no context. Like, you know, um oh such and such is a pressing machine. Um but if you watch the game, you know, you'll see that yes he pressed, but he only he pressed because he was close to that guy. He didn't make massive runs to press. It's all about context. Christie's right. The context is absolutely massive enough for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um and you know what I was thinking before we come on? Do you ever, everyone has a football app, you know, live scores, wherever it might be, right? And you might, not support the team but you're, you're keeping a track on the game you might have a bet on whatever it might be it might affect your team's league position with, because of this game whatever it is and you click on it and you see it's nil nil but you see jesus they've 65 percent possession and they have 15 shots they're all over this team they're definitely going to score and then you watch it later on with some context and yet they've loads of forward pass but they're going nowhere they're going nowhere they've had 15 shots but they've all been from 25 yards you know and Jamie, me and you've spoken about this, like Liverpool's form over the last couple of months and people went, they've all the ball and they're doing this, but they're not doing much, you know, and I think they can be misleading without context. So that's why I always come back to, by all means, tell me what happened, but let me see it as well. So mm. if, I, I think the visual argument is, is a much better one than the text one and one's on social media. I, I was having a bit of an argument last night on social media actually about, um, Jordan Henderson, surprisingly. Um, not like but, you that, mate. Not like me. Um, <laughs> it's usually my job. Well, I, I, I've i kind of told myself six months ago that I'm not having any more arguments about Jordan Henderson because they're pointless. Uh, but I end—I think I ended up um discussing a uh, crime podcast with the guy by the end of it. So it ended well. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. They become pointless, don't they? They just dwindle out into nothing. And nobody really wins. Nobody. Uh, nobody wins an argument, really.
1: Exactly, and Christy, I mean, we've we've had lots of debates around this very topic, and mm. you know, I think it always comes back to some t- some people like to say, Tru- "I trust the eyes; I can see the eyes." Mm. You know, my my eyes don't deceive me. Surely, there's a case here for it's both. It doesn't need to be exclusive, one or the other. It's using the stats in the right context, and, and your day job, or actually, rather than head coach, if we go back to to mm. when you were opposition analyst with the with the national team. What were I suppose the stats? Because there's so many stats now that are thrown around, uh, you know, uh, on a day to day. In your role, you know, if you're preparing uh, a report uh, for the manager, you know, for an upcoming World Cup game, what are the metrics that you focus on? What are the the the, the biggest, most important metrics that a a manager wants to see and mm-hmm. can help you tell the story of an opposition and, and maybe where their weaknesses are? i uh, so I think it's an interesting one. I think. You've got all the generic ones, right? Shots
0: on target, where the shots are generated from, um, possession, so on and so forth. But then the, the stats, that you're, the information that you're looking to bring back to the coach has to be related to their game model and how the coach sees the game. So, you know, and this might this is a long way of getting at the answer, but, you know, you see all these lads on social media and some of them are brilliant. And there's a lot of good information out there, but then you see some lads just with the story that they want to tell and they want to try and get a couple of likes or a retweet. And they just bring a stat out the stat can be irrelevant because it's not related to how the, the team that is playing wants to approach the game, whether that's from an attacking standpoint or defensive standpoint. So if I went to um, if I went to our coach and, and talked about a certain stat that was not relevant to how we want to approach the game, then it would just be binned off. So with that in mind, you know the USA is a, a very high pressing team, so they want to know which centre backs are playing the ball out, who who they play through when they're penetrating into the midfield third. How many, uh, a simple one, this isn't a stat that you would see too much, but how many left footers they have across the back line? Can we shape the play? Can we do a lopsided press? Um, where, do, where do the number, where do the highest number of goal scoring opportunities come from? Is it down the right? Is it a certain pattern down the right? So we there's a large part of it that is still based upon um, the A test and what you tactically see going on. You use the stats to reinforce it. So for example, during the World Cup, we the first thing I would do is, is watch the game again and then build my opinion on what I felt happened. And then you use the stats to reinforce it as opposed to get the stats and then find the video that you think suits the stats that you want to use. So, and, and you know, everybody's got their own way of doing things. But I think if you contaminate your brain with some of the, the stats that, you know, just to, to help you paint the picture... You might not be painting the correct picture about a team. I think it's important to, to go with what you see happening on the field and you can reinforce it with certain stats based upon the game model that's been designed by the team that you're either scouting for or, um, or the team that you're coaching.
1: Yeah, it, there's a there's a lot of comments coming in on the chat, and everybody seems to be taking a similar theme to to Kev O'Sullivan here, who says it's like anything with stats, they're only as good as the person reading wow. them or in their ability to comprehend them. Yeah. And and I, I think some people, it's like it's like they don't want to understand. So, it, like you said before, and Gav said it, it's like you're having an argument with yourself here. Nobody's going to win. Nobody's prepared to give an inch. So it's kind of you know, it's a self fulfilling prophecy in the end.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting. Again, so. You you see these go on all the time. Ultimately, it has to tie back to the game model, right? So if you look at Liverpool and you see all these different statistics about Henderson, this, uh, Naby Keita, that, it has to be related to what is a way of quantifying how successful he is within his roles and responsibilities in the team. So to me, and I haven't watched Liverpool.
2: 15 minutes could save you 15% or
0: more.
1: Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what?
2: Geico. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more.
0: A couple of weeks because they're losing so much, just much like Arsenal. Thanks, but, thanks, mate. And uh, listen, you know I love Liverpool, so I just I throw it around a wee bit, but, but <laughs> on a serious note, I know they've got different roles, so they can't be quantified by the same numbers. you can't measure them against each other. You know, it's it's different roles within the team. Uh to my memory, Henderson's playing a lot deeper in the midfield and, and obviously this season he's playing quite a bit of time as centre back. Um, whereas you get Navikita, you're looking you're looking the same higher up the field. There's certain things that do cross over, and you can you can challenge that. But they definitely have different roles. But it it can't be just quantified in this black and white world that kid is better because he breaks the press five times more than than Henderson. It's just not that black and white.
1: So there's there's two topics I want to cover before we dive into uh, the famed XG debate, right? Uh, cuz we're not I, we need to ease our way into that one I think a little bit. And Josh, I, I want to come to you cuz um we we started talking and engaging a long time ago on on Twitter. Um and I suppose that your story interests me because you used to produce a lot of your own content uh, for those that don't follow Josh, it's distance covered on Twitter. Um and then obviously you got your your role at Reach from from your side, what was it always that kind of interested you about the tactical side and, I suppose, the analytical side of the game and that ultimately allowed it now to become your career?
3: I think I'm, a, I'm just naturally analytical anyway as a person, so I think that helps. But I think just as I've got older, you know, reading football books and stuff like that, I think it kind of just opened up a complete new world for me when I realised that. You know, a football match isn't just decided by, you know, a flip of a coin or the best team wins. There's details in a football game, specifically on a tactical side, strategy and things like that, that can decide a football game. And once I kind of realised that, I just kind of immersed myself into it really and really engaged with it and then eventually started to apply my own knowledge and got to a point where I obviously created a Twitter account and started to engage, engage with you know, like-minded people. Say, for example, you know, Sadio Mane on a football pitch. If he's not playing particularly well in a certain game, the person I used to watch the football with, you know, say my dad, for example, he would just say, oh, he doesn't fancy it today. But, but usually <laughs> there's kind of underlying reasons behind why maybe Sadio Mane's not playing particularly well. Is he man-marked? You know, is he, is he playing out of position? You know, whatever, whatever it might be. It can be really basic. It can be really deep. But when I just started to realise that you know, there's kind of reasons behind everything on a football pitch, and again, I'm just naturally quite inquisitive. Anyway, I like to know reasons why. I like to know the source of problems and stuff. Um, it just kind of worked for me, and then obviously I got to a point whereby a role came up at Reach, a football analysis site role, kind of like producing, I suppose, Monday night football type content on a daily basis to do with football teams, and I applied and got the role and been doing it since, but. You know, no complaints. I mean, it's it's a perfect job, and um, I think I've improved quite considerably since since applying myself every single day.
1: Well oh, man, you're living the dream there, mate. By the sounds of it, <laughs>
3: yeah, very much so. Yeah,
1: Gav, I, I want to come to you, and I want to move on to, I suppose, the the importance of stats when recruiting players, because one of the topics that's kind of been thrown at Liverpool. And I suppose it all started kind of negatively. I think it was, was it Neil Ashton who wrote the article in the Daily Mail a long time ago kind of about Michael Edwards and his famed laptop and his air-conditioned room. And, you know, I suppose Liverpool have kind of become the poster boys, if you will, for the kind of the, the database approach to players, or certainly one that gets the most column inches anyway. I know it's been applied by a lot of teams. You know, when you look at recruitment. Do you think a lot of it from your perspective now would centre around a numbers-based approach as opposed to, you know, your old-fashioned traditional scouting?
2: <clears throat> there's no doubt they still go and watch players. You know, I'm not saying Michael Edwards is wandering around Europe um, watching players, but, that you know, there, will be, there has to be somebody from Liverpool, Clu- Liverpool Football Club at certain games or people affiliated with that club. You know, there's a lot of scouts out there that will be, I suppose, um neutral is not the word um, uh, I, I'll think of the word in a minute but you know they, they would work for a couple of clubs and, and put players forward and stuff like that but but like listen it is a numbers game there's loads of metrics there you know I think when Brentford doing it a couple of years ago um, where they were they were heavy on metrics and they were literally just signing players on metrics it didn't matter if he was 5 foot 4 he was playing centre half and he was doing great so he was playing um, and we were we looking to sign him and, and the, the metrics was crazy uh, having said that they have to go and watch players, Jamie, you know? And I was going to ask the lads there, but I had it written down here because I'm wondering how many times that they, they would look at a metric, say for argument's sake, if you're looking for... A left winger for Liverpool or a left sided forward, whatever you might call it as a backup or maybe a successor to Sadio Mane, right? So you're looking, what are you looking for? You're looking for, has he got good pace? Is he good at the press? Does he hold the ball? Does he protect the ball? Does he get into central areas? All this sort of stuff. All the stuff Mane does. You look at it. They have the stats on Mane. Can we find some similar? I'm, I want, and I suppose it's a question for the lads as well. Surely something comes up where they go, there's all these stats here, but when I actually watch them, The, the context is completely different, if you know what I mean. You know, yeah, there's loads of stats about him pressing, but he, he, oh, he pressed 20 times in that game, but the 20 presses were just brilliant, you know, and he doesn't do a lot outside that. It's, it's very, it's, I think it's very interesting, um, in the, in the recruitment side of things, because there's no way for me, Jamie, they're just reading spreadsheets and deciding that's the man. They have to be watching the player as well. And I just wonder with the lads, is there something where they, like, even, Mm. even in, even in Christie's role, you know, he's saying he looks at stats of his players every day. Does he ever look at the stats and then come back and look at footage and go, geez, the stats are there, but there's actually a lot more going on there." Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. do you know what I'm trying to get at? It's, oh, it, it's it, 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 they're nearly defying. The the, the, the the actual viewing of it, and the stats are nearly clashing with each other. I suppose does that happen? Because I think it does sometimes. I think
0: I saw. I think it was it was Kev or Kevin said earlier. Like obviously the Major League Baseballs following. Um, the Moneyball approach, and so's so's basketball and baseball, right? So, but uh, that differs from football to me in terms of player recruitment. Uh, you've all seen Moneyball, haven't you? Mm-hmm. It differs to me because it's very defined start-stop rules within a setup. Football's far too fluid and flexible to be able to to make something as black and white as that. You know, I think Moneyball's like how many times you get in second base, right? Can you can you can you go out and sign a player because he, he only he wins? Um, you know, eight out of his ten tackles, so that makes him a good right back. Now, because you have to see what his distribution is like in the build-up, what, what can he do in the final third? So there's a lot more context that is needed and a lot more depth to it. I think they they kind of try and answer that question. Gavin, my thing would be when you're <clears throat> obviously when you're when you're going on the recruitment, right? Your everything has to tie back again to your game model. What mm-hmm. is it the way you want to play a game, right? And then within that, what are some of the non-negotiables? So for me, like if you if your club there's certain things that he'll say are absolutely vitally important for him as a, an attacking player. them's probably their ability to press, right? So he's probably looking at not just uh, tactical data, or he's, he's looking more into physical data. Beyond that, where are they creating the most amount of opportunities? Where do they score the most amount of goals from? And does that fit into... A model that he has already established that he thinks it would be successful within the um, within the Premier League, which obviously he's shown to be successful. So, and, and I know, for example, with us, we we do look at numbers, um, and sometimes there's there's more in depth on certain players, depending upon the level. But it it's rarely that it is just. Well, like actually, I'll say this: it's never that you just pick a player based upon numbers. It had it to me. It just informs the conversation. It informs the conversation. Like I know there was a lot of information about Jota when when you signed him and why did you sign Judah over? Um,
1: uh, what kids, do you call it? Yeah, from
0: what right. So the, there was a lot of questions about that, but he fit in well. But then, in the same in that same conversation, the the left back that he's brought in from um, uh, Timikas. Greece,
1: Tim McCash. right?
0: Yeah. So. He was another money ball approach, wasn't he? And it's it's really not worked out just yet. And I think the center back from Germany was most likely because the reality is as much as things were last minute, there's there's no way like you're in cloud boxing, just let me Google a player, right? They've got a list of players by metrics that they deem would be the most successful within their system, right? That player's not available, tech next player, not available. So they're making their way down the list. You know, maybe in two years' time, those lads might be right. But at this moment in time, were they the best recruitment? players that you might you might ask questions about that policy wouldn't you so i think it informs it sorry it informs the conversation rather than makes a decision one
2: mm,
1: well, yeah. one thing to mention there gav actually because because christy you're in a bit of a unique situation i was telling josh before we, we came on air the new club that you're working well the same new club uh, in in louisville you actually turned up on the first day in the job and you didn't have a team there was no squad. Yeah, uh, you yeah. say you call it. You call it a roster. I, I, I feel I, weird saying. I, a roster. No, I say
0: squad over it, here. Like I, 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 okay, I, squad. No, I say squad and <laughs> changing room, not locker room, and bits and plates. I uh, yeah, we, yeah. we had no team, so you you can. There's a couple of things that. the couple of different approaches, but our approach is very simple. Let's design the way that we feel will bring us some, the level the style of play that'll bring us the most amount of success. Once we've got that, let's design the profile of the player that would be most successful within each position and what their roles would be and what metrics we feel would be important for them to be successful with our style of play. So there's a layered approach. But then then day like and, and Jamie, you know me well enough if if you're there, if you're someone that ticks all those boxes and you're you're a little bit big time and you're you know you don't fit in and nah, I'm just not going to compromise on that so a stat doesn't tell you that piece that's where then there's a one-on-one conversation and you're looking at you're looking at a player that's gone in behind and stuck you know stuck a ball in the back line. that and not a, a teammate doesn't go near them the way they don't really like Salah, in my opinion to me I, I don't want that in the team I don't care how good you are I don't want that and a stat won't give you that number so you, again it, you, there's a lot more to it than just simple numbers when it comes to the recruitment in my opinion that sure. anyway.
1: So, talking of recruitment, Josh, I want to come to you. Obviously, in in your day job, you would be, uh, you know, building out uh, player profiles. You would be analysing different. And from a
3: little,
2: he's frozen there, has he?
3: I didn't get away. Did that make sense? He didn't pay the Wi-Fi bill.
2: No, he didn't pay the Wi-Fi bill. His uh, what has gone? That's on? it. I, Poor I, I,
3: Oh, no, I'm back. Don't worry. I don't know
1: what. I think I think my missus is fed up. She wants to watch something on Netflix and she just turned off my laptop there. I'm back anyway, hopefully, I think. Get a few <laughs> uh, uh, Josh, a what was... What, <laughs> yeah, you'll just see her appear from behind me and smack me around <laughs> the head with a drawing <laughs> pin or something. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Oh, yes. What I was going to say, mate, is I suppose from a Liverpool perspective, based on, uh, based on the, the players that we do need um, or the type of profiles you think we need, who do you think Liverpool could potentially be in the market for uh, from a recruitment perspective?
3: Oof, it's tricky. Um, I think Liverpool's current problem, obviously, is centred on the uh, the centre-back issue. But I think if you look up front as well, I think Liverpool needs some sort of back-up forward to a higher level than... Um, than a Divacariki and Takumi Minamino for me. So I think you're probably looking at a centre-back and you're looking at a forward in the mould of Jota. Um, so it, 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 we do this online as in Anfield quite frequently every now and then. We look at who Liverpool might be looking at, players with a certain profile and stuff. And In defence, one, one, one player that we mentioned in November that we actually ended up making a bid for in January was, was Douche Coletta Carr at uh, Marseille. He was a player that I just thought visited the bill. He looked like a Liverpool-type player. Um, as Christie's just said, you know he, he related to Liverpool's game model those at the time, so I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool chased him again. Um, and up front, I don't think we'll get him, but I'm a huge fan of Harvey Barnes. I think he's very, very like the, the type of direct Klopp-type player that that benefits at Anfield. I think there's a few more, there's, there's Rafinha, there's Pedro and that. So these are all Premier League players. Um, but you know, there's there's plenty out there that fit Liverpool's game. It's just about picking out those players who are attainable at a, at a realistic value mm. and who can almost make a step up once he moves to Anfield and, and start playing the Jürgen Klopp.
1: That was my next question, actually. Is, do you think that Liverpool will adopt that strategy of going for that ilk of player rather than the show-stopping uh, you know, world superstar forward, you know, there's, there's been mentions of the likes of Mbappe, uh, the likes of Haaland. I mean, I, I think that's a pipe, pipe dream personally. I, I don't, I can't see us doing something like that. Do you think it would be the type of profile of the players that you just mentioned as opposed to the, the big superstar?
3: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's FSG's, FSG's model, really, isn't it? I think if you was to spend over a hundred million on, well, probably over 150 million on, on Haaland or Mbappe, they might deliver on a pitch, but, um, I think Liverpool will be able to get a player who delivers maybe not to the same level, but not far off for, for a hundred million less. You know, we got Jota for, for around 40 million. He's going to be a top attacker, in my opinion, for about the next five, 10 years at Liverpool, scoring quite frequently and stuff. So when Liverpool can, can kind of exploit the market by getting a player for less than his true worth, I, I, I just can't see Liverpool's recruitment department going and chasing a superstar, even though they're both quite clearly ridiculous it just doesn't fit the, the transfer model that's delivered success gav we've
1: we've spoke at length about uh, our friends this is, fsg this, this,
3: this is where
2: it gets messy isn't it
1: <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> where where do you sit on it do you think that uh, like josh we'd be going for the players that we can build into a star as opposed to buying a ready-made star
2: Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sean, he says on this show an awful lot, he's not bothered about the price once it's the right player. And I think this... You know, we're talking about stats here and, and, you know, and, and people in the chat have said as well, you know, all right, but, you know, take a forward fragment's sake. Um, you know, you're, you are looking for goals. You're looking for assists. You're looking for press. You're looking for whatever it might be and all the analytics and the metrics that you want with regards to a forward. But you're also looking at what age is he? Um, what country is he coming from? Does he speak English? Does he settle in well? Can we find out if he's, if he's, if he's, German and he's, he's moved to Spain. Did he settle in well then? Because he will find out all this stuff. They literally go through the guy's life from start, finish to find out it all. And I'm kind of with Shawnee. If you get the, get me the right player, I'm absolutely fine. You know, like where, can we argue with it? Not really. You know, when you look at Mane, you look at Salah, um, for, for me it was quite significant money at the time but look what he's done for us you know we have done van dyke and we've done allison you know we've done 50 million on keita but overall we've incredible value like when alderman 25 million just looks ridiculous um what five years on or whatever it might be the big thing for and i've said it you know i've said this jamie the big thing for me is that and i keep saying it fsg need to step outside the comfort zone this summer and i'm not talking about Don't get me wrong, give me a forward of talent all day long. um, And I don't care what his fucking stats are. Just put him in the team. And if you want to keep crossing it from the right and left, you do that, mate, because this fella is just ridiculous. All right. He's literally, he's literally a fella you've made up on the computer game. And you know, when you make up your pro on FIFA and then you tap the triggers continuously for eight minutes and then you get a cheat and you, that's him. All right. So. But, but like, but like Josh says, that's astronomical money. And I don't know, that's not what I'm talking about when I say step out of comfort zone because they have done it. They have done Van Dyke and mm. they have done Alison, uh when they've needed to. For me, it's just with everything that's gone on with them with regards to COVID, no one in stadiums, reduced TV money, all that sort of stuff. The way they do things won't work for me. And, and the biggest thing for it is, They've players there that they probably should have let go a year ago and now they're trying to, gonna try to like, let them go now or get rid of them. And they're gonna have to take that medicine a little bit. So it won't fund purchases as much as you think. And they will have to step outside that realm that they have and that system that they have this summer to compete and to keep going because there's other teams that are gonna put money in there, Jamie. There's no doubt about it. But I think you have to trust Liverpool. Be- on the same side with the looks. And do you remember we had a committee and we named it a committee and it was mental and everyone just kept referring to Liverpool's committee rather than the football club. You still have that. They just don't call themselves a committee anymore, but, but you'd have to trust them in, in, you know, when they, when they look at stats on players, when they look at his surroundings and, and they say, listen, for Agnes sake, this player over here is 70 million quid. And yes, he's done it, but this guy is 40 and we think and trust us. This guy in a year would be absolutely brilliant. You have to trust him on that that count as well. I think it's a huge summer for FSG. And I think I think they the way they do it and the way they do it, stats-wise, and, and all that, and, and the and the, the background they build around it is more important than ever. Really, really is.
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one straight back at you, Gav, mm-hmm. right? FSG, yeah. their uh, focus on data, and Look, I, I, by the way, Josh, I have to say there was a comment that came in there just quickly, based, uh, I think it was from, let me find it. Uh, basically, uh, here we go, Free World says, does this lad work for FSG? Can you just confirm that you don't work for FSG?
3: <laughs> I can confirm that, like, yeah. Is he an expert man, is he? In that is he...
1: <sighs> <laughs> just had to clear that one up, mate, yeah. Um, before, so I have to say, and people will have heard us discuss this previously, uh, on the whole, I'm very happy with FSG. I think they've been great owners. At the same time, I think they are risk-averse and they they needed to back more in January. And I just don't want to see... If you look at Ben Davies as the poster bo- for him, poster boy for me in that... Supposedly his stats are very high, his profile fits Liverpool, uh, left-hand side player, pacey, good distribution, ranked very high on a lot of metrics. So I've been told, a uh, good friend of mine, Al, Al Rogers, um, who um, uh, basically is friends with some of the, uh, the, the, the committee at Liverpool and, and the recruiters, he basically said that this guy was actually being mooted to move to Arsenal at one point because his stats were so high. It's not but, good enough for Arsenal. But what what I would say is, you know, Christie's an Arsenal fan, by the way. For those that don't know, <laughs> you may have guessed. Um, what I would say is, I don't want to see too many sh- signings like that because I feel like sometimes we try to box a little bit too clever. And sometimes we can we can go and get the right type of player that everyone can see. But FSG and and with the data, sometimes do we try and be a little bit too clever with the signings? I I you know Ben Davies.
2: Is this for me? Yeah. Um, that one stands out, Jamie, because of the January. You know, um, they didn't back him; they didn't they didn't do what they were meant to do. Like all this, oh, Matip got injured, and then we had to make a move. Me, you know what I mean? <laughs> Matip got injured, like you know what I mean? Like this happens all the time. You know, he's played probably forty percent of the games for Liverpool since he's arrived, so that isn't an argument that stands up. I think that's a situation the end they ended up painting themselves into, right and he hasn't been seen playing for Liverpool and people will tell you look Robertson needed time Fabinho needed time wherever it might be but um yeah they're probably a bit too clever on that and only because they weren't just in my opinion, decisive enough in January. You know, it was obvious, you know, um, Josh mentions Coletta Carter and he has like that name has flown around loads and you look at his profile and you look at his age and you look at what it would have cost and it makes sense. Like was it 26 million Marseille wanted somewhere in that region? Like that they've, they've not committed themselves to 18 million, um, on Kabak, but they will in the summer if he does okay. And look, I'm not being funny. It's an extra. 8 million quid, and they could have got this guy in January, if they'd have went and done it at the start of January. And if he's that heavily touted by Liverpool and, and their committee or whatever it is, why not do it? You know what I mean? They are, they can be too clever for their own good at times, but having said that, the overall on, on, on them is that they've been hugely successful at it. I think they've... I think what's happened in January is a black mark against them. There's no doubt about that. I don't think... I don't think the Davis one is trying to be too clever. I just think it was, what are the options on the 4th of February or the 24th of January? And these are the options. And let's go down the list. And they landed on Kabak and they landed on Ben Davis. I think that's what happened.
1: Yeah, I, I think sharing some of the sentiments in the uh, in the chat tonight, I think it's a ma- massive summer for FSG um, and, and kind of like a line in the sand. Um, you know, I, I think everybody wants to see the right type of investments and, and for Liverpool to kind of get back to where they need to be we 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 need to make some some proper signings, and and it's going to be difficult because we need to get rid of a lot of dead wood wood as well. So there's going to be a lot of moving parts in what would be now traditionally a difficult market with everything that's going on. But it's going to be certainly interesting to see how it all pans out. Now, lads. It's time for the XG debate, right? Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you, Christy, to start with, because uh, as I said, you, yourself and Josh would be far more well-versed to to answer and describe uh, some of the stats that we're going to go through now, right? And I'm going to come to you first, Christy. So XG, mm-hmm. explanation and its uses. Uh, and, and the reason why I want to go into this, um, and just to, to give a bit of context, I was listening to a podcast, Peter Crouch podcast the other day, And he said the term XG makes him feel physically sick. And they were his exact words, right? So first of all, give us a little bit of an explanation on XG, its uses, and why do you think it's created? A simple stat is creating so many waves amongst fans, but then you're hearing the likes of Peter Crouch be so negative about it as well.
0: Mm. I'm sure no matter what way you describe it, someone else is going to tell you a better way to do it or or how they use it. But for me, XG is a way of, attaching a value to a, a goal scoring opportunity. Um, so ultimately, it's probably been brought in by someone looking for a job and then they've tied it in and they're now making 100000 a year out of it. But to me, XG can be, if, if used correctly and put it in context and tied to your game model, what you're trying to do, it can help you understand where you can maximize a striker for argument's sake, where you can put a, where you want to try and deliver balls for argument's sake but I think it can also be it, it can get to the point where it can get misinterpreted for me, XG can be useful XG chain XG chain to me is it's very, very misleading and it's it's it doesn't accurately um, describe the game XG on the other hand it can be useful if if used properly.
1: Where do you sit on this, Josh? And then I'll come to Gav, because <laughs> Gav's dying to chime in there.
3: I can see it in his face. <laughs> I think uh, on this one, without wanting to sound patronising, I don't think a lot of people know what it's supposed to do. Um, it's it's just a performance in the that that's all it is. Some people think it's supposed to predict matches. It's not. It's just a performance in the case. Some people let the results dictate whether the performance was good. Some people use possession. Some people look at, at the number of shots taken in a game. Um, XG is just a bit of a deeper level for that. It's just, um, valuing shots according to the probability of the shot going in. So say, for example, Liverpool take shots in a game with around 2.8 XG and they lose to a team that have taken shots with 0.2 XG. Um, it's just a, It's it's kind of. It's the a definition coach, of a smashing and, gr- smash and grab, basically. Exactly, it kind of yeah. I mean, it's it's a it kind of offers an insight into you know if this match was going to be played a hundred times, Liverpool probably aren't going to lose that game very often. Um, and it's 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 a solid means really of of judging a coach. You know the impact of a coach. Say for example, I think we're going to get to him, but Graham Potter. I mean, bright. Yeah, actually, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. He can he can't actually put the ball in the back of the net but he can coach his team to be good at restricting the ball, uh, to be good at restricting the opponents from taking shots. And he he can be good at coaching his team to be good at generating shots. Brighton are clearly very good in both of those departments. He used to have a finishing issue. So I think from an expected goals perspective, a lot of the, again, a lot of the, the downsides stem from people who don't really, I don't think they understand what the metrics are supposed to inform, to be honest. And I think
1: the problem, probably Josh, and I'm going to you, Gav. Don't worry. I think the problem is that probably some people don't want to understand as well. And I think that's you know they're they're a closed book. They're not open to learning new things. You know, they just it's like that that meme of the old man screaming at at the cloud. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those type of type of things. People don't want to embrace it. But Gav, talking of old men shouting at clouds, mate, that's probably me and you at this stage, is it?
2: Ah, yeah, the old bit anyway. Um, I shoot at clouds (laughs) on Warzone, um, on the Xbox. Um, and I shout at clouds in real life. Um. (laughs) How it's measured is the thing that interests me Like I'm going to be honest There's a lad in our WhatsApp group That puts in the XG after every game As as a complete joke And he just puts it in and goes Unlucky today lads Look at our XG compared to them He's doing it as a complete joke Because once air number is heard The other fellas At the other teams He's like we should have won that End of story Um, But I'm wondering how it's measured And I, I presume it's measured By who has the shot Okay so you know um, there's more expectancy on Salah to score from 10 no. yards no, no it's not that's, okay. that's right. what okay. we were about to get to so, and I think so, you knew so, that so. which is why
0: you <laughs> no
2: and I, I, no, I, I'll tell you what I, I, thought, I thought of a scenario earlier right so if the ball drops to Salah in the box 10 yards out middle of goal it's not measured on Salah as opposed to Joe Gomez no. it's just your players in front of goal Okay, which is why Brighton have so many issues okay the second thing is is the weather brought into it genuinely <laughs> well yeah, I, I, I the reason I'm asking is because yeah. if a ball is crossed into the back box on a nice day and there's no wind <laughs> for going around and you've a free header from 10 yards the reaction when you miss is you should have scored that if there's wind blowing all over the place which and this is no joke Klopp goes on about it all the time the wind was really bad out there is, is it measured differently because of the weather is it measured differently if there's a player challenging you or not challenging you um in between you and the goal and not between you and the goal like for me and i'm not like people are laughing at the chat think i'm messing i'm not <laughs> what i'm saying is there's so many things like like put it this way if joe gomez gets five headed chances in a game from 15 yards every f- 15 minutes in a game right and misses them all and we have an expected goals of five that's a that's that's bullshit to be perfectly honest with you <laughs> I'm reading that at the end of the game going you were expecting Joe Gomez to score five headers in that game from that position it's not happening do you know what I'm saying so but mm-hmm. is it measured like that because to me if it is if it's not measured on the player um, and the, and the situation and the context and is someone leaning on him is someone pushing him when he goes for the header how, how, Look so at the smirk how, on both how, the lads' faces how, here, do you get the a, how do you get an expectancy from it? That's what I'm saying. How um, how do you measure expectancy from that? Like now, you, I'm sure you're going to educate me now, but they are yeah. the simple questions that are not you know no, th- a, an idiot like me will ask.
0: No, I think it's I think that it's 100 like. So if you put the question that I would ch- and I, I challenge it all the time, and, and we have mm. someone doing that type of thing. If you drop Salah in the middle of Brighton's lineup, does it change everything because he's He's technically more proficient than Welbeck or uh, Toussaint. So does that change all of a sudden? Quite possibly. I mean, it it doesn't take into effect. It doesn't take into effect the weather, what you had at halftime. But what my understanding is that it's generated over time, um, taking into consideration the type of ball that's been played. Uh, are you finishing with your foot? Are you finishing with your head? Um, the angles and the distances from goals um is it coming from is it open play is it is it uh, coming from a set piece but it's not taken into into um uh, it's not taken into consideration there's three defenders between you and the goal mm. um so basically you what we get at least it is we'll get a a shot map that shows where the higher xg has been generated um by certain players and then that's based upon so for example the highest xg and in, and in, Josh, you might be able to go into more detail than me, but the highest XG typically created is, is run through the central zone onto a, a through ball going 1v1. That would be considered a high probability. Whereas if I'm shooting for 35 yards um off the off the side of the, you know, 35 yards directly from goal but at an angle, that's going to come in a lower XG. But if if I'm in front of goal and Sal's in front of goal, we're still in the exact same position, getting the same delivery. Um, and had the same lunch and the same cup of tea. We we're producing the same XG, um, and he almost now score.
2: But, but like is,
0: I know. I, listen, it's not. I, I love. Yeah, not.
2: Perfect. Gaps. Yeah. yeah. yeah, listen, yeah no, listen, and there's not many cards left.
0: <laughs> no, it's at the end of the day. Like it's to me. This why we don't. This is why we don't live off it. But it helps just inform the conversation.
3: Yeah, because it brings me yeah. back. These days, we're all getting more screen time
2: To the context of it, so yeah, like yeah. you know, if you if like, like Christy, if I if I said to you, um, how did you get on at the weekend, and you said, Oh, hold on, I send you the XG, and you send me the <laughs> XG, and I go, You won, did you? and you go, Yeah, but you know, look at the XG, and I'm going, Well, you won, can you send us a video of it? But you know, if I had the context, <laughs> I'd be able to say, You're really high XG, but three or center halves had chances, you know, and mm. didn't score, where two of your center forwards had and did score, you know, mm. I'm able to, I'm able to, this is where I come back to. you I'm nothing against XG, you know, well, I do. I'm, I'm, to be honest, because you know, <laughs> we have, it's not measuring, it's not measuring stuff that I think should be measured. But mm. if you give me the video beside it, I can, I can look at the video and, and, and the stats and go, ah, yeah, but lads, like, you know, it's the right back that now hasn't scored in his whole career, ends up mm-hmm. in the middle of goal there. And that's being put in as a, as an expected goal or, or rated as it. And that, that's where, that's where, it, when it comes back to me, I, I keep going back to show me the footage. Show me the footage and then I make a decision. In my mind, should he score or should he not? Now, don't get me wrong. Six yards out, Joe Gomez or whoever it might be should score. It's it's middle of goal. goal, you know.
0: It, I, really think you, awesome. I think you're 100% right to do that. Um, but I think then, what someone Stantish would tell you is and you're just basing that upon your own subjective opinion. Like he's a good player, he's got a good right foot so he should score, whereas they're basing it upon stats, objective information. So it's just a way of adding objectifying some of the conversation and saying, hey, listen, that inside channel, six yards from goal on the, on the corner of the six-yard box, statistically, that when you're one-on-one with a goalkeeper, statistically, that's a high goal-scoring opportunity. Um, whereas you might look at it, statistically, generally speaking, a free kick from 30 yards out, probably not scoring. But then you're saying, well, it's, it's Trent. So then you're able to, to specify exactly for him. But there, it's it's certainly not perfect. But it's it's one of the those lovely little quirks that I think there's value to it when you use it with context.
2: Yeah, I think context is huge. Yeah. Right. Now
1: to, for the final topic, so Gav, are we are we are we good now, do you think? I, I I feel like I know more about it now, and I feel like it could be of value, but like the lads have kind of said through smirk and faces, it's <laughs> they're only smirking it's,
2: because it's, they're like who's this
1: idiot.
0: But I, do you know I, I, what's like good like though? It's it. important.
1: It, it's important, it's important to to have these type of conversations because yeah. these are the type of you know, like Gav said, they're like you may, you may laugh about him mentioning the weather, but if we're looking at shot quality and it's a windy day, no footballer, like you ask any person that's played the game, I hated playing in the wind. It changes yeah. everything. It absolutely changes yeah. everything. So it's, it's important to ask these type of questions. And, you, you know, I, I think it's good. Josh, uh, you wanted to jump in there, mate?
3: Yeah, I was just going to say, I think those questions that Gav mentioned there, I think one of the reasons maybe people don't like domestic is because People feel stupid making those points. So I think those those are valid points. Those are valid questions. You know, I no, don't worry about
2: Josh, I do it every night of the week. I'm stupid sure <laughs> every night of the week. So this it's water off the dog's back here. But yeah. I think
3: I think with it, with it being something that's new and it's something that is relatively simple while also being really complex, it can make people people who have watched football all their lives, it can make them feel a bit stupid. And it's I understand, I get it. Um but I, I just think it's misused. Like, say, for example, I think, I think a while back, I think Bayern Munich maybe beat Spurs at, in London, and I think they maybe won 7-2 or something like that, and the expected goals at Bayern down for about three, maybe. Um, i I see regularly people will post those numbers before kind of criticizing next year and suggesting that it's a load of nonsense. But this is where the context comes into it. If you understand the metric, if you understand what, what it kind of is about, Rather than looking at those numbers and thinking, the metric's a load of nonsense because it's, it's clearly about four goals off. What that instead means would, would be, okay, so Bayern Munich have clearly finished their chances to a ridiculous level. And that mm-hmm. that's kind of where the context comes in. If you understand the metric inside out, you, you can grasp those aspects. Um You're applying it to the game as
1: opposed to trying to use it to say, well, look how wildly off that that is. It's actually, well, no, credit
3: where credit's due. They've just been on fire. Yeah, again, looking at Brighton, if you look at Brighton's numbers this season, any, anyone who's interested in the numbers, anyone who focuses on data and uses data-driven decisions, basically, will look at that and think, OK, Graham Potter is not the problem because the, the underlying numbers are good. It's just both boxes, Brighton suffer. So Brighton don't put the ball in the back of the net as often as they should, and they don't save the ball as often as they should. So say, for example, this season, if you'd put Danny Ings up front for Brighton and you'd put maybe... Emmy Martin as in goal, Brighton would probably be in the top 10 right, without changing anything else. And that's just because they've got a better goalkeeper and a better and a more clinical striker who's likely to finish his chances at at least a bang average level rather than below average level, which has been the case with Neil Morphe. But there's always context to this sort of thing. I, I just think it's a case of often people just feel too stupid to ask almost. I, I understand why. Um, but I think we need to we need to move past that a little bit, really.
0: Uh, there's a couple, of, but the funny thing I will say as well: there's a couple of stats snobs, and they they grab it and they just run with it, and they will yeah. happily just drive their agenda down your throat. So it's it, Sometimes it's not even engaging those people, but like I said, and Josh said it, and like it's it's using it with relevance and and keeping it in the context that it's meant for, as opposed to getting a little bit wild and crazy with it, oh. you know.
2: Well, I, I'd never win an XG argument, you know, if people start throwing stats at me because I'd be look, I'd literally be asking people, "Was it windy that day?" But, <laughs> but, but, like, Christy, I'll ask you as as a coach, like, mm. you know, if if you're if you're using if you're getting, you know, you you your shoulders before the, the little the little um devices mm. you have for all your players, so you're getting all these stats and and, and stuff fed back to a laptop or whatever it might be um, after every training session and stuff. But if you if you're looking at XG from a coach point of view. Are you looking at it? Say for a striker. So the mm. striker has, if you have an XG during a game of three and you score one, mm. okay. Are you using that as to say, you know what, that striker probably needs to walk on his heading, or that striker needs to walk on maybe the left foot, yeah. or one-on-one situations when? Mm. You, is that what you use it for? See, is I it, think
0: that's where it's a good question. That's where yeah. I—that's where your angle there, man. That's like to me, it's a, its just a platform to a conversation, right? Yeah. Um, and to me. That is absolute XG. <laughs> that's that's brilliant comment by Red Steve. <laughs> yeah, um, it <laughs> it's it's a great way to to be segue your way into a developmental conversation. Listen, you've yeah. got yourself in this position, breaking uh, it down a
2: bit more. Yeah, yeah,
0: and that's and that's where like like I said, you you see someone tweet the XG of a game and telling you that they should have won by four or five, but it, to me that's not enough. And that's where you have to you have to layer it a little bit and, and put it all in context. And it's it's like a lot of stats. I mean, the one that I really genuinely hate is XG chain.
2: What's this? What um, is this?
0: So XG chain, I'll probably Brace yourself, mis- Gav. Yeah, uh, misdescribe it, but essentially it's adding a value to every pass to every player based upon how an attack finishes. So if I'm a center back and I play one pass and five passes later the ball is in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. And I'll end up with a high X G chain rating because it was a very success it was deemed a successful attack. Now, my pass might have been I could have been Lavron knocking the ball five yards, Devan Dyke, knocked seventy yards over the fullback. Mm-hmm. Salah taps it in. But yet my rating's the same as is yep. uh, Van Dijk. so I think that's it. that part's a little bit dangerous. Same sense, I could play a ball to in the midfield, goes out the right wing, right wing goes on beats four or five players, lays it off for someone. We're going to still carry the same XG chain rating, and that part is is difficult for me. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't really want to get
3: involved in that one.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to get involved either, if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Josh? Do you want to
1: pick that one up?
3: <laughs> I think, I think gladly we've we've moved the conversation away from that. In terms of the, um, you know, the data world, if you like, this, this kind of, I think expected possession models is kind of the, the, the now thing. That's what Liverpool use in the recruitment department. So the, the, the way in which Liverpool do that would be, um, say, for example, Van Dijk makes a five yard vertical pass to Fabinho. Liverpool, based on everything that's happened before, based on historical data and stuff, will be able to put a value. On that pass in terms of what it's added to Liverpool's likelihood of scoring. Liverpool's likelihood of putting the ball back in the, in, in the back of the net. So every single action is kind of tied in with the likelihood of scoring a goal. Has this player's actions, has this player's pass, cross, whatever, increased our likelihood of scoring a goal? Um, but that's kind of still in the works. That's kind of in, in the public space, at least that's not really. Publicly available. That's kind of something that Liverpool were a little bit ahead of the curve with, um, hence their their ability to identify the likes of Andy Robertson and maybe Naby Keza as well to an extent. Um, so, so just like that piece, really complicated there.
1: Yeah, because um, the one thing because I, I want to get on to, and I'm glad you said Naby Keza because I want to finish on the discussion around Jordan Henderson and Naby Keza and, and some of the the kind of narratives that have been written around those. But I'm I'm just trying to get my head around it, right? So the XG chain want you know, I uh, I played a couple of seasons at right back, right? And I either clip clipper ball. Were you smirking at there, Chris? do say
2: a word, He never opened his mouth. I, I was hoping he would, but he didn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, you played centre back behind me for a long time. I've got nice many a sin. story there. So I just you... pull the strings back there, Paul. <laughs> um, what I was going to say, Josh, is, you know, a lot of the time as a fullback, you either clip it down the line or you you take an easy pass inside to a centre midfielder, right? So are we saying that we're now moving away from XG chain? Is that what you're saying? That, you know, my weighting as a fullback and I'm playing a ball simply inside to a centre midfielder who then hooks it down the line, that's now not going to be given equal weight into somebody who maybe plays a killer pass as part of that same sequence. Is that right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think XG chain is, is widely that used, to be honest. I'd be surprised if it's used to a, a really thorough level at any kind of club, because of its flaws, really. But I think, as I said, expected possession value models, they're kind of coming, in, although they sound really stupidly complex, that, that, that's that they're, they're what's coming in in the modern day, really. That's what kind of a lot of the data companies, you know, Optest, Statsbomb, that's what they're working on, really. A, a way of quantifying what every action on the field does to a team's likelihood of scoring. So okay, yeah. so
1: so mine would be weighted less than the guy that's making the assist because I think that's where I've had the problem. It's like, you know, if I'm getting credit as the guy that's played the brilliant through pass, so Philip Coutinho would be two men and slide rule pass through, and there's me you know a, a, a stodgy fullback who's passing it inside to a centre midfielder, and
2: I, yeah but, it, it, but you're, yeah but you're 100% taking the credit oh 100% that's 100%. why I'm like let, let me just get this right you're definitely showing your ma like your ex yeah. xg chain ex- and, ex- and ex- you change, <laughs> described yourself they nicely there as well yeah do you know what it sounds like to me though it sounds like you know xg chain is it, like Josh says and and, and Christy as well it sounds a bit ridiculous but that sounds to me more like watching for patterns You know, um, don't put a rating on it. Just let's see the pattern. Like so, like Josh says, if 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 Van Dijk plays a vertical pass to Fabinho, who turns him and puts one over the back for Alexander Arnold, and we score and we do it two or three times, it's a pattern. It's not. It's not a value. It's it's something that you know what when we do this and we do it right, we we get it. We we get in on goal. We, we create chances. And that sounds very simplistic. You know, yeah, Gav, do things really good and you'll get good stuff from it. But what I don't mean, what I mean by it is, you know, we, we, we spoke Jamie loads about why are Liverpool constantly crossing the ball in the box? Why do you keep doing this? Whereas if you go back and you look and you say, we used to just get uh, Trent on it and he played inside the salad who might hold off somebody and somebody running from midfield and, and them patterns. I don't think you need to put a value on it. That sounds more to me like, Let's watch patterns and let's see which patterns work. You know, we all seen it from man City for years the ball in yeah, behind the same, fullbacks they the cut back and the score. Yeah. That's yeah. a pattern. You know what I mean? And of course, if you if you apply that to a, a, an XG chain, it's going to have a higher value because it works. You know, the sort the of way. So I don't know. It's 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 one of those where I I think. It, it's an interesting thing to look up or putting a value on it is probably in my opinion the wrong thing to do just watch it look at it it's going it, it 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 works for you so so that's a pattern that that should be used as much as you possibly can within certain games and certain environments
1: Now lads coming on to to the last topic right and I've probably saved probably the most divisive one to last which is probably not the the wisest move um so I am the one of the world's biggest Jordan Henderson fans um for, for lots of reasons. I think he's a, a very good footballer. Um, first and foremost, uh, I think his range of passing is fantastic. Um, I think his um, his drive, his ability to read the game. Look, I can I can list loads of things. But what I would say is, and I'm going to come to you on this one, Josh. Um, there's a lot of what Jordan Henderson does that potentially doesn't sit on an Excel sheet or doesn't get captured, um, you know, in, in terms of stats. And, to bring in what I would say is maybe a player slightly differently to him, which is Nabi Keita, who for lots of people is a stats machine. He Look, he's an incredibly technically gifted footballer. Don't get me wrong. If we can keep him fit, he's, he's got huge value to the team. These two players seem to be the two poster boys for stats and for those that maybe don't like stats and trying to quantify the impact of the captain, for example. I suppose the question is, difficult to kind of put a question on it I suppose what how are we able to ultimately assess players when all uh, when a lot of people want to just focus on stats and when some players i.e., the likes of a Jordan Henderson his uh, impact on this team can't always be measured with those stats if that makes sense. Yeah I think at
3: the bottom line really is footballs played by by humans and I, I think a lot of what henderson does is beneficial on the human side of things like you know leadership and all that sort of stuff obviously you can't measure leadership that's that's not something you can measure y- you will you will not be able to find on any spreadsheet whether a player is a talker on the pitch and anyone who's played the game anyone who hasn't played the game should probably know that if you've got someone on your team who is a talker who's an organizer it, it does naturally help. Um having said that, like not every single player needs to be that. Not every single a uh, team is, is comprised of different individuals, isn't it? And if you've got Henderson on the field, you can then maybe play an abycator who might be a little bit quieter, but from a data perspective, offers tangible offers like a tangible difference in terms of events, like stuff that's quantifiable. Um Cases tick those boxes. Cases effective in those areas. So you know, I understand both sides, and I think that's that's kind of where the fall down is. You've usually got a, you're in one camp or the other, but I I get both sides. Um, even looking back at the expected goals thing, you know, talking about whether it's windy and stuff like that, and I get that. But again, it, with it being a model, it's kind of just looking at football as though it was played by robots. And I think I think Beals said in the past, you know. I I would win every game if if my football players were robots and if every player had exactly the same ability. But obviously they they don't. Football's played by humans, so different things happen. But a lot of the numbers is just kind of they they kind of remove the human side. And
0: look, staying healthy
2: isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts in response to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. During our Memorial Day sale, save $1,000 on the new Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed, Queen, now 17 only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com.
3: Certain players that are massive in the human side, such as Henderson, that get a little a little undervalued Gav Josh touches on a good point
1: there uh, when he talks about camps does there need to be camps can Jordan Henderson not just be a really good captain and a really good footballer and Naby Keita also be a really good footballer but just in a different way it just seems like you know the, the, the two things can't live in tandem together at the moment
2: no you have to be in a camp um, it's just the way it is that's what how life is now um Comparing Jordan Henderson and Naby Keita is ridiculous. Um, and that isn't because I'm telling you how Jordan Henderson is a better player than Naby Keita. Um, like, I'll, I'll put it to this way. If Liverpool name a side tomorrow, right, with um, Fabinho at the base, Henderson to the right and Thiago to the left, what are you going to say about uh, Jordan Henderson? What you're going to say about Jordan Henderson is he presses well, he tackles well people will tell you he doesn't track runners but trust me I've been around Anfield loads of times and trust me he tracks runners okay um, for me one of his biggest things is his positional sense to allow Salah to cheat a football I've said it for ages he allows Mo Salah to cheat a football because I've I've literally sat 10 rows on centre on the centre of circle um, 10 rows from the front and watched Jordan Henderson watched him with my own eyes continuously telling Mo Salah not to track back continuously. He just keeps saying, I'll do that, you stay there. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to pin a fullback. And if the fullback wants to continue on, fine, we'll pin your centre-half, and now you're in real trouble when we get the ball back. That's what Jordan Henderson will do. You know, he'll do all that stuff. He's a good range of passing. I I agree with you, Jamie. Um, He scores the odd goal. But if I name that team with Naby Keita, you're not going to look for Naby Keita to go, will Naby Keita allow Trent to go? Will he allow Salah to go? Will he track runners? What you're looking for Naby Keita to go... How many men can he go past? How many killer passes can he hit? How many times can he get in the box? How many shots can he get away? How many assists can he provide? They're two different footballers. They're both midfielders, but they're two different footballers. And that's why you have a squad. Because if I go out and I name a Liverpool side and they're not doing well, you don't just bring on the same sort of fella for the same sort of fella, do you? You bring on a different type of player to try and influence a game. And that's what a squad is all about. You know, Wijnaldum, Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson, Jones, Keita, Milner. Name them all. They're all different in some way to each other because they need to be. They need to have, like Christy touched on earlier, the certain ethics that Klopp has, like work hard, you know, press, work for each other, cover each other, all that sort of stuff. But they're all different. So at the end of the day, for me, you know, unless you're two number nines that stand in the box... And look for crosses. You can compare them. What's the goals like? But the comparison for me is just, I'm I'm sitting there going, why are we doing this? There is games, don't get me wrong, there is games where you say, we're going to be completely on top here against a really low block. And Keita might be more suited to this game than Henderson. Or there might be one where it could be just, look, it's up and down the pitch, up and down the pitch. It's going to be frantic. Henderson might be better suited. That's the only sort of stuff that comes into my head. And look, people will tell you that Jordan Henderson is this, that and the other in a negative way. And you, Jamie, will tell me how he is great in other ways. That's absolutely fine. That's opinions on players and their attributes. But then to convert it into, let's compare it to Naby Keita or anybody else in that midfield, I think it's, it's a waste of time, in my opinion, you know, and you can have all the stats you want. But when, when I sit and watch games of football, I'm expecting something different from Jordan Henderson than Abby Kate. So why am I sitting comparing them at the same time? That might sound very simplistic. It may sound silly, but that's just the way I look at it. You know, they're all different. They all do different things. Some do things better than others. And I think because of the this, this system Liverpool have and the way they play football, I think sometimes they get pigeonholed a little bit into, oh, functional, functional, functional. They don't do anything outside that. How functional can you be? Who's the best at it? And I don't think it works like that. I really don't. So on Cate, on Henderson or any other Liverpool midfielder, um, I think they've they've great attributes and they have different um, ways of playing football and that suits different scenarios week in and week out.
1: You've spoke to me on uh, about this, Christy, in the past about the danger of trying to compare players that play in similar positions when they're asked mm-hmm. to do completely different things on the football pitch. And this, the you know, I, I, this is this is the challenge that I think and the frustration I have is online. You know, you're trying to compare apples and oranges. They're completely different players who bring completely different things on a football pitch. So I don't need that. Feel the need to, to to try and do this.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you see these lads talking, so they're sitting in the changing room at Anfield, and they know exactly what the instructions were, and they were there for the pre-match conversation. It's, you know, it's across every team, but Henderson's job is completely different to Keita's job, so to try and compare them, it's it's a waste of time, and that's where... Some of these people do lose, in my eyes, lose a wee bit of credibility when they they start using stats. They just drive an agenda that they already have. while they don't like Henderson or they love Keita, whatever it may be. For me, that that is the downfall—not the downfall of stats, but that's stats can't quantify any leadership qualities of a player. Stats can't quantify organizational skills on the field. Okay, they, they can't quantify the mentality of a player, and that's okay. But don't use that. Don't use certain stats to as leverage in order to tell me that one player is better than the next we're not they're not compared they're not comparable they're asked for they're expected to do different jobs on the pitch um so the, yeah that, that goes back to what we talked about at the very start you can drive whatever story you want like you can always get a stat that backs up what you're looking for like and you can you can drive that story it's not a problem but just comparing two players like again I mean that's just you're wasting oxygen if if you want Naby Keita to go do the exact job that henderson is meant to do, I'd imagine he'd be a lesser version of him when it comes to it on the pitch. And maybe Henderson may not do the exact role that Keith is meant to do if he was if he was asked to do it. That. But that's why you have balance and depth in your squad, so you can approach games in different ways and, and provide different roles and responsibilities. You can't have a team of clones. It'd be very Absolutely.
1: Now... Uh, absolutely now uh, a couple of things to to mention before we wrap up um so in terms of subscribers so you would have heard us mention on a lot of shows uh, we're going to be doing a giveaway uh, we're going to be doing a giveaway when we get to 10k subscribers which we're we're, we're close to close to getting and um, gav is being very tight-lipped as to what this giveaway will be um but you so keep your eyes peeled uh, keep your ears peeled big, uh a
2: t-shirt with xg written on it <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. It's the wind. It's the wind. Uh, but yeah, from from our side, um, just a, just a quick note to all our subscribers. Please do tell your friends about what we're trying to do. Um, as always, we love the comments that come through, not only during the shows but also after. Um, so if you are enjoying the content that we're putting out, and you have some friends that you think will enjoy it too, please do send them a link and help them get involved and help us grow the shows. Because uh, Gav won't say it, but he, he works incredibly hard as do a lot of the lads behind the scenes in putting out a lot of varied content. You only have to look at last night, for example. We had a question of sport quiz, and then tonight we're talking about XG. So, yeah from from our side, yeah, keep the support coming and, and just let your mates know if you think they'll like it too. gav on that note, what uh, what shows do we have coming for the rest of the week?
2: Um what day is today Wednesday uh, there's nothing Wednesday. tomorrow we're having a day off tomorrow um, Friday you have the Friday forecast with Chris that's a draft um, if you've, if anyone has ever watched our drafts uh, it's not like lads pick your best 11 and, and we'll all go sail off into the night it's not like that there's always evil rules there's always stealing players from each other and stuff <laughs> like that it's insane um, so that's on Friday night uh, Sunday is the Fatback 4 and that's going to be different um, because there's no games on we're going we're to vary up with all sorts of madness. This is where we let our hair down Um, while there's no Liverpool um games on. So the Fatback 4 will be on on Sunday night, but it's going to be different than you're going to enjoy it. And then into next week, I honestly don't know, Jamie, because <laughs> I... I, I Genuinely, I don't even know when the internationals start. I don't know who's playing against each other, and all I know is that Liverpool don't play till the first weekend in April or something like that. So, um, come Sunday, I'll sit down and we'll have a look at and we'll plan it out. But don't worry, we'll bring out as much content as we possibly can. It will be mad and it will be crazy, and that might be a bit of um really good serious stuff like this. But most of the time, it'd be lads drinking cans and and shouting at each other, and you know that that will get you through an international break, no problem.
1: Absolutely. Now with that, before we wrap up, a uh, quick shout out to footballprizes.co.uk. Go to the website, check out the prizes and maybe win yourself some money too. Uh, that's enough from us. Big thanks to Gav, Christy and Josh for joining us. Uh, I hope you've all enjoyed the show and learned a little bit more about stats. I know myself and, and Gav, we, we definitely have. So with that, look after yourselves, stay safe and we will be back with you next week on the Midweek Fix. All the best. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more.